Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 64 from Monday, November 4th, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Good day, sir. Hello, a full stack of podcasts, finally. It feels like it's been a long time coming, and we don't have anything in particular in store for today's episode. We feel like we've celebrated enough milestones, but uh, we did spend a little bit more time rambling than we usually do on the render distance. So for those of you who are patrons, of course, you can listen to the pre-show on your Patreon special feed. Uh, but yeah, here we are, uh, celebrating episode 64 and uh, hopefully another stack of episodes ahead of us at least, I'd say. I'm glad that we don't have to worry about multiple stacks in, in Minecraft. You know, like I'm glad that there's only the 64. Like there's not like additional other stuff like somebody i think in our discord mentioned something like oh what's next like a full chest like you know how many that's a lot <laughs> like, yeah yeah that's like 1700 or something something yeah, crazy it's like, it's like yeah see you in a couple years <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i think at a certain point with podcasting you just have to start looking towards the round numbers like the the big 100 you know the big 200 that kind of stuff and and that sort of creeps up on you if you just kind of keep keep it consistent uh i celebrated episode 300 on the citadel cafe last year and that was really fun that's it's a fun milestone uh to to hit knowing that you've put in that kind of work and it's um just like anything else you know i I had this question actually on my stream this weekend about like wow how did you get so much done on the citadel server and i had a really easy answer it's two and a half years old yeah (laughs) like and i play consistently pretty much every weekend not a lot but enough uh probably more so since i've started the podcast with you but it's like it's just consistent i don't reset the world every six months i don't get bored i just keep trucking and so when when that kind of stuff accumulates there's just stuff to walk by and there's blocks every time you need them like it's it's really it's really satisfying to have that slow marathon build i imagine you probably feel the same way about the survival guide now yeah, I mean, Survival Guide just celebrated its 250th episode. Uh, again, didn't really do anything milestone-y for it, um, but it is it is something I get when I stream occasionally. People ask me, did you build all of this? And I said, well, yeah, but I've had a year and a half to do that now, and this is my full-time job at this point. Like, I play Minecraft every day, except for occasionally I try and take Fridays off, but it's it's an ongoing project and i've got three streams a week and i'm you know playing for an average of like three or four hours a day just to make an episode not counting afk time and you know various other things so there is there is a lot that a lot of time that gets put into these things and now we've put a lot of time into the podcast as well which uh you know always feels like time well spent i think oh i agree i i was um talking with a couple of people um at Halcon last weekend and they were talking uh, specifically about like behind the scenes like how do you like how do you do this like how do you um make your life as an artist and I was talking about the multiple spin like plates that I have spinning one of them being podcasting and yeah I just it it's always a nice moment to say like yeah you know what podcasting pays my rent like that's it's a it's because of listeners it's because of the support that we get but it's a nice kind of pinch me moment where just like you could have told me this eight years ago when I started, you know, doing podcasts for fun as a way to hang out with my friends who had toddlers and couldn't get together for beer. And now it's part of my professional life. So, you know, we've mentioned it before on, on the Spun Chunks that, you know, you and I like Mondays because that's when we record the Spun Chunks. For me, it's a first thing in the morning sort of thing. 
uh, and it's it's like it's what we do today, and it's it's a great way to start the professional week. It does not feel like work because you know I love hanging out with you, and I really enjoy um, talking with people in the Discord, and it's just it's a fun way to contribute to the Minecraft community. Yes, definitely. Uh, if you guys can hear any uh, increase in white noise from my end, by the way, it just started chucking it down here in England. So I'm quite happy to be uh, to be indoors. And uh, yeah, speak, speaking of the weather, you've uh, you've probably been dodging that in Minecraft by uh, spending more time in the Nether. I have. I haven't seen the sun for weeks. Uh, as a yeah. matter of fact, it's been um, well. There, it feels like this. It feels like a long time because. I took the weekend off from uh, streaming, obviously, for Halcon. So it had been about 10 or 12 days before, I, you know, between streams. And both weekends were nether work. Uh, and this past weekend was no different. Uh, although I have to say, because we had established kind of like a build palette and some design aesthetics uh, two weeks ago, coming in this weekend was great because I didn't really have to reinvent the wheel. I just said, yeah. okay, I want to do this other hallway. I want to do... Uh, this connecting hallway. I want to do this this big room kind of at the end, and I've already had the other connecting rooms designed. So it's just a matter of like pulling a little bit from each room. That little challenge that you want to give yourself of like, well, let's take this design and tweak it, you know, and make it so I don't want to copy it, but I want to do something similar. Mm -hmm. And so I I'm really happy with the way that turned out. It's it's simple. It's very stone, very heavily stone and stone brick. Um, but I did like andesite walls. With the new andesite texture which is really pretty uh and then i did like double wide pillars like four by four pillar uh, two by two pillars and the thing that i think was the the triumph of my build this weekend was creating a parallax effect in the roof oh nice yeah yeah so what i did was i wanted to have some sort of skylight or some sort of like in these in these rooms in the nether i kind of like letting the nether show up through like windows in the walls or you know glassed in hallways so that you can at least see just before you go outside is there a ghast out there because i'd like to know mm -hmm. you know yeah uh, yeah it's kind of helpful isn't it yeah and it feels more like you're building in the nether rather than you're pretending to just not be in the nether yes so, i feel like that that's how a lot of people tend to design nether hubs in general is to try and make it look as less like the nether as possible mm. like trying to eliminate all signs of netherrack nether mobs and usually you want to spawn proof things anyway because it's less dangerous but also a lot of the time you're bringing materials from the overworld and you're building with a theme that while you still get that nether fog in the background if there is a distant tunnel it still tries to feel as little like the nether as it can yeah, and so I don't want the mobs showing up because I don't want the gas blowing up things that I built. But but yeah, yeah. in general, I I try to have a little bit more of a nethery feel. I kind of take um, what we've done, and I've mentioned this on the show before, is that I'm trying to indicate by quick color coding and direction. Like if I look down this tunnel and it's green and and foggy, that's probably towards the swamp, right? Like that's kind of like just like a gut reaction. Um, yeah. And so what I did with this particular room was. I pulled that gl green glass road through it. So it indicates like, go this way to the swamp. But then above the ceiling, I kind of like raised it by a half slab. And then I put glass on the outside of that crack so that you can, it's, there's no way anything can, can shoot in or, or, or see in, um, but you can see out of it. Now I ended up covering up the nether, but I built a wall of mossy cobble and cobble another block away from the glass. And, and then lit it up with glowstone that you can't see. 
And so when you're walking around below and you look up, you can see that this wall is there, but it's not a texture change that is immediately next to the blocks that are in the ceiling. It's a good two blocks away. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the typical grid pattern of all of the textures in Minecraft doesn't line up. And it gives you this really weird sense of depth. And like, it just looks like this ceiling, this room that you're in could go on forever, even though it only goes up another three blocks. But because you can't see the top of it, it just feels grander and and more ethereal. Like it feels spacey or magical. And it's it's something I kind of stumbled upon by just trial and error and having some fun with the people in chat. It's a building with me on stream has been a really fun, chill uh, experience and a lot of feedback from the chat room. And uh, I try to talk people through what I'm doing and I've been getting some compliments on it. So it's, it's been fun. And I, I've been really, really, uh, lucky in, in the, the community that's been coming out and, and we've been having a good time, but I put, I put in some serious hours this weekend cause I had missed playing Minecraft over the last week or so. Um, what, what have you been doing in, in Minecraft lately? Uh, I've been spending a bit of time in the nether myself because um, I set up a wither rose farm for the first time following mainly uh, my own instincts and what I had heard from other people doing but I also took a couple of tips from Raiseworks's wither rose farm design which uh, uses an endermite to lure endermen into a specific place and then you break the portal block of a an end return gateway out in the outer end islands and effectively you trap the wither in there, kind of the same way you would trap it under the bedrock of the central end return portal that gets you back to the overworld. Nice. But instead you end up with the wither being able to kind of like poke its head out of the top of the bedrock and so it can still shoot at the enderman. Um, so the enderman drop from height, they take enough damage until uh, you know they're hit from death, and then the wither basically just produces wither roses by fireballing each of them individually. So from that, and a, a short AFK session, I was able to get nine or ten stacks of Wither Roses. And I'm planning on using them to effectively weed out the other Nether Fortress mobs from a farm. Because Withers, uh, Wither Skeletons are the only Fortress mob which is immune to the Wither effect. So even if Blazes or Zombie Pigmen or anything like that spawns inside this farm, they all get the Wither effect and they die very quickly. And then the wither skeletons are left and you can lure them out of the farm and into a trap where you can kill them or you can lure them into the overworld and blow them up individually with charged creepers to get a one-for-one wither skull farm, which is pretty fun. Um, I haven't got that far yet because that requires me to demolish a huge section of the nether fortress to make sure it is spawn-proof. And I could go around slabbing everything, lighting it up, doing the usual stuff that we do to spawn-proof these things, but... I find the process of placing slabs or buttons or whatever on all of the surrounding blocks, it would be quite tedious, and I also wanted to introduce TNT duplicators to the series somehow. So what I am now doing is occasionally on streams or, you know, in my my spare time when I'm not making another episode, I'm going into the nether picking one long stretch of the nether fortress and the surrounding terrain and effectively carpet bombing it with a TNT duplicator, which is kind of cool. It's the kind of thing that people might be familiar with if they've seen Mumbo Jumbo build his witch farm on this uh, season of Hermitcraft, because what he's done there is figure out a perimeter square that is not going to spawn anything while he's standing at his witch farm and he's just used tnt duplicators and flying machines to destroy the landscape in in every direction from the witch farm and i'm planning on doing something like that with this it is a little bit 
dicey because sometimes the TNT duplicators can get close to the area where I built stuff and I've tried to wall it off with obsidian to try and make sure it's blast proof but sometimes the TNT explosion can travel through blocks a little bit as well so I'm uh, yeah I, I feel like I should have done this before I built the wither skeleton farm but I wanted to introduce the concept first before I started actually right. working on it um but aside from that, having a bunch of Wither Roses and now being able to work with TNT duplicators in this series has opened up a whole new world of farming. Uh, I'm planning on making passive mob farms and creeper farms and stuff using the Wither Roses because it's a nice, efficient way of killing mobs automatically. Um, and it's going to circumvent the problem I had with my creeper farm where I built multiple levels to it. And for some reason, they don't want to pathfind off the top level, even though there's a cat in the middle scaring them. The proportions of the platform are built just the same as they are on the lower platforms. For whatever reason, they just don't want to walk off the top platform. So I'm going to revamp the creeper farm, use Wither Roses in that. And my <laughs> the video that went out today was something I had an idea for a couple of weeks ago and have finally been able to put into action. Now that you can trade so many bookshelves from librarians and breaking those bookshelves down to convert them into books means you can trade those back to the librarians and you can effectively multiply emeralds that way if you have cheap trades on both of those. I now have a TNT-powered book farm where I feed bookshelves in <laughs> and the TNT destroys them and it drops all of the books into a hopper. Effectively the same way as you would make a concrete farm where you know pistons are pushing the bookshelves downward and then every so often a TNT falls, explodes the bottom of the pile and you can keep pushing the books through. And... Yeah, that, because TNT doesn't destroy blocks anymore, I'm getting three books per bookshelf. I'm tripling my profits when I sell them back to the librarians for an emerald apiece. And I was able to get about a stack and a half of emerald blocks that way just from, you know, maybe a few stacks of bookshelves. So it's, it's very lucrative and fun. And I introduced it into the series by saying... You don't need to do this. <laughs> you can just set up a beacon, get an efficient axe, and I think you can haste mine bookshelves that way. I've seen people do that, but you can use this farm design with the TNT duplicator and stuff. You can use it as a concrete maker, as an automatic cobblestone farm, as a tree farm if you can compact the logs into a single stream. I feel like there are many uses for it. This is just one that I found that's kind of fun, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's actually, it's actually really, really good. Um, I've blown up a lot of books in the last little while. <laughs> not not a sentence you usually think of yourself as saying. No, exactly <laughs> not. As a lover of books myself, yeah, it feels like a strange thing to do. But yeah, yeah. ultimately, none of them get destroyed in the process. So it's, yeah. it's actually really good. Book Blaster, TM, Pixel Riffs. <laughs> yes, exactly. TM, 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 copyright me. Uh, I, I've not seen anybody else doing it. That's the thing. Because I, I could have just made another concrete farm, but I've already done that in the series previously. Right. So yeah, I, yeah. I wanted a new way of presenting the same information with a little bit of an upgrade with TNT duplicators and zero ticking pistons and that mm. kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it just seemed like a fun idea and meant that I could incorporate it into all of the stuff I'm trying to do centered around my trading hall right now. So yeah, it was the perfect opportunity, really. Nice. Well, I feel like it has been uh, an explosion of news uh, in Minecraft this week. <laughs> Especially after last week. Yeah. Yeah. We have so a lot of stuff to cover. I feel like they, they've caught up. So um, what what's happening right now? So let's start off with Minecraft Bedrock because Bedrock Edition now has a new update. Uh, the full change log is on the feedback site, feedback.minecraft.net. We will have that linked in the show notes. There's a blog post about it as well on the main Minecraft.net page. Uh, 
this will add a lot of stuff that is familiar to Java players already. So Bedrock players, if you are unfamiliar with any of the features, Java players have been making videos about these for the past year. Uh, so foxes, brown mushrooms, we're the roses, like I've been talking about, suspicious stew, uh, the new instruments from Noteblock. So you've got things like banjos and 8-bit sound effects and stuff. Uh, abilities to place item frames on the floor and the ceiling. Good news for anyone who wants to make a void room. And also the new character creator, which we have been talking about recently and I figured we were going to see a full release of that before Minecraft Earth came out because the two of them are quite well connected. The character creator is basically the same for each version so that has now been added to the Bedrock edition of the game in their 1.13 update. We have been trying to move away from talking about these things in terms of version numbers because the version numbers are kind of different between Bedrock and Java and one might overtake the other at some point. But yeah, that is the, the end of the Village and Pillage update for Bedrock Edition, which is good news because pretty soon we're going to be getting a Bees and Bugs update, so hopefully uh, some bugs for Bedrock will get covered in that update for them as well. Speaking of which, we have Minecraft Snapshot 19w44a, uh, for Java Edition, and that includes the ability to craft uh, honey blocks back into honey bottles by combining them with empty bottles in the crafting interface. Honey bottles now stack up to 16, meaning that it's not quite so arduous to craft honey blocks in survival anymore. Uh, vertically moving particles now perform better when they collide with blocks, presumably because of the uh, interaction with honey blocks. Uh, chunk saving performance has been improved, good news, because that was causing a lot of lag on multiplayer servers especially. And the Iron Golem's damage progress, the fact that the Iron Golems now crack as they take damage, uh, is now based on the ratio of their current health to their max health. Uh, so I guess they probably start taking damage at different times or showing visible signs of damage at slightly different times. There are also a ton of bug fixes, one of which I will go into in a second because it presented an interesting case for me. But I will roll on to say this was not the only snapshot we got this week because Jeb posted on Twitter a link to a Reddit post with a changelog for yet another uh, custom combat snapshot, which is what he is trying to work on in the background separate from any of the themed updates that are becoming to the game soon and we've talked about this in previous episodes but he is planning on overhauling combat to try and make a version of combat that works on both bedrock and java a unified combat system uh, so the changelog for this one i'll just go through bullet by bullet uh the sword speed has been returned to 3.0 from 2.5 so swords are swinging a little bit faster hold a button down to attack has been reintroduced but the attacks now happen at a little bit less charge so they won't do quite as much damage as optimal spam clicking meaning that a skilled player clicking will still be able to get the uh get you know get get one up on somebody who is just holding down a mouse button to attack um Knockback resistance now operates on a scale instead of RNG. Uh, axes now always disable shields uh, instead of a 25% chance to disable them, which was what was happening before. Um, axes now only take one durability damage for attacking. Previously, they would take two because they were considered a tool. Like if you hit something with a shovel, it takes two durability. Axes now only take one, so that's kind of formalizing their status as a weapon. In addition to that, axes now have a new chopping enchantment that adds a little bit of uh, damage and stun time uh, per level when you're getting on with like um, attacking somebody who's holding a shield. And um, 
projectiles no longer trigger the invulnerability timer, which means that a multi-shot crossbow could hit with all three arrows. And this is something that people were telling me was happening in Bedrock Edition, and you could use the crossbow effectively like a shotgun. Like, the closer you are to something, the more damage it's going to do, because the more those spread uh, arrows are going to hit whatever you're you're fighting with so effectively that makes the crossbow a little bit more of a consideration for pvp combat especially oh, interesting. uh yeah the, the shields have been reduced to a shorter range of defense they now only yeah, they, they have like a smaller angle of protection in front of you um and there's a couple of things i didn't quite understand the shield indicator that displayed when the shield was active but that seems to be an option kind of like the attack indicator that only shows up like when you're holding a shield and there's also an option to hide the shield when it's active and i don't know i haven't actually been into this snapshot to take a look but i kind of get the impression that yeah the shield is getting in the way of people's vision so i i kind of hope that there's an option to hide the shield when it's inactive as well because right now that's one of people's main problems with the shield is they take up too much of the space on the screen in general i've always looked at the shield from a content creator standpoint point which is like you said it's just in, it's in the way of your of your shot you know of your camera yeah. um but as a pvp i would imagine like having something like that block your peripheral or or block what you're trying to see in the battlefield would be frustrating like trying to think about other you know like a first person shooter game that i've played in the past and if there's a giant thing in your way like it's it's very hard you feel uh closed in you don't feel like you can really see what's what's happening generally you just have whatever is in your hand like the the barrel of the gun or the the sword or whatever it is that you're doing um yeah that's really cool that they've made those adjustments we're we'll get into some of the details i think in a, in a minute but um yeah. as far as minecraft earth is concerned we have uh new rollouts in australia sweden and mexico and then later on in the week we had south korea canada hey that's me uh and the philippines uh so we're not going to comment too much on it here we're actually going to move the minecraft earth convo into the main discussion point uh this week because i actually had some time this weekend to mess around with it uh and yeah. on the minecraft dungeons front I would encourage everybody to check out Minecraft Dungeon Diaries Origins. It's a YouTube video. It's a little kind of mini doc that that the Minecraft um, video, uh, YouTube channel put out. And it's a kind of a, a sit down with the developers of Minecraft Dungeons and the developers of uh, Minecraft and how they're in the same office, like they work next to each other and how they bounce ideas back and forth and I really found it interesting. Uh, I, I only watched it through the once, but one of the main points I thought was really cool was they would come up with an idea for Minecraft Dungeons and it's unique and they want to keep it, but then they would work with the Minecraft team to make sure that this new idea still felt like Minecraft. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. It's, it's, it's gonna, so it's going to be a different game. You're going to have different things going on, but it's going to still feel like the core experience and i just it's such a cool note to know that they're working next to each other it's a fun little 10 minute video go go check it out for sure yeah i i feel like it's also good that they've got that kind of dialogue especially since there is potentially going to be a lot of demand for stuff from minecraft dungeons to end up in the core minecraft game we've talked about this mm -hmm. again whenever we've addressed dungeons in the past is how much of this stuff is then going to be popular enough that they decide they're going to implement it in the main game and if it already feels like a feature from the world of minecraft to begin with if it's not super outlandish and only made for dungeons then it makes sense that it's going to feel natural fitting into the main minecraft experience if ultimately it comes to it yeah no that makes a lot of sense to me uh as far as i guess we can start with like say the snapshots um the honey block 
crafting stuff to me just feels like a, a perfectly sensical you know change yeah stacking honey yeah. bottles uh making it a little bit easier to craft um correct me if i'm wrong but are honey is honey as a food source not a really highly saturated food source like does this give a little bit more of a deeper perk than just like being able to craft honey blocks quickly like can can you now since you can now stack um honey bottles and you cannot stack water bottles or potions only empty bottles does this give you like a better food source to carry around um honey bottles restore six saturation or six hunger points so like three shanks of hunger Mm -hmm. and 2.4 saturation according to the minecraft wiki right now so it's not necessarily um like a good food source compared to some of the other stuff that people will already be working with but it's it's a food source and the fact that you can compact it into honey blocks and then convert it back into honey using bottles and stuff like that's that's going to potentially be beneficial in certain situations i feel like it's not going to be everyone's go-to food source at this point oh interesting Um, i never thought about it that way so you could have like a couple stacks of honey blocks with you and four empty bottles and then as you need it just craft four honey bottles yeah you can just kind of break it back down into food again if you want to the the only the only problem there being that if you wanted to build something with those honey blocks yeah. then you're you're effectively eating your building blocks at that yeah, point. yeah I, so that, that to me is really cool because something i really like about some of the resources in minecraft is the ability to then turn it into a block and then turn it back into the other thing coal yeah. redstone uh slime like th- that kind of stuff i think really helps with the inventory crunch that i think everybody's feeling right now and mm-hmm. it, it's cool when you have new blocks being introduced uh, or new features like say the honey bottle and then not only does the honey block have cool features and cool functions but then it also serves as a hey you can store honey this way if you don't really if you're not a redstoner then at least now if you want a lot of honey around you can keep it in block form as opposed to as opposed to um in bottle form mm-hmm. definitely yeah um so we talked a little bit last week about waiting over a year for the mountain biome update and i just wanted to say you will spare a thought for the bedrock players who have had to wait 14 months for foxes (laughs) because (laughs) we remember foxes being voted for in the tiger update at minecon uh yeah what at minecon earth as it was at the time what we're now calling minecon live um in 2018 and so yeah that has been since september of last year uh that we've known about foxes being added to the game and bedrock players have only just got them along with some of the other stuff that came up in the uh the village and pillage update for java players so we should maybe have a little bit of perspective on the time it takes to develop these features for versions of the game and you know we we are patient people anyway i think minecraft also teaches you to be patient in a certain sense but yeah, it, it's it's definitely worth pointing out that bedrock players have had to wait a long time to get things like suspicious stew and uh yeah hopefully those people are now enjoying the fact that they can uh can you know mess around and find foxes and and grow sweet berries and and all that kind of stuff i think there are some things that may even have been added sooner for them like pandas and so forth that didn't make it to java edition so they've they've had a spread to either side of the java edition release where they got some stuff early and some stuff really late i think pandas were the holiday update last year were they not they were for for bedrock yes but the holiday update never came to java edition it was all lumped into village and pillage so the holiday update we're getting this year seems to be something they're planning to release for both versions concurrently and i think too it's you know they're getting closer and closer even though they know they're not going to reach 100 feature parity 
uh, just because of the coding differences between the two versions of the game, it is nice to see a lot of the features kind of like the the boxes are slowly getting checked off so that when you're talking to a Bedrock player and a, and a Java player, they're going to have a much closer experience than they have in the past couple of years, it feels like. like it, yes. it feels like things are bouncing out there. Um, I was looking over uh, some of the the notes, some of the, the bugs that they fixed. And most of them are like, you know, either small things that didn't affect me or uh, efficiency things. I did, however, find one very funny because I saw it in the video. And that is the evoker fangs were rendering too big. Right. And I would... Um, hesitate to call this a bug i would call it a very fun feature i think they look way better it looks way cooler when these giant evoker fangs come out of the ground like a whale <laughs> yeah like it, i i had no idea that they were supposed to be small to begin with was it is, is it just outlier cases where they turn up super huge or were they all just supposed to be like a, a smaller size to begin with no well they're the the, the 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 size that they are in the game currently in 114 is correct as far as I know, right. uh, okay. which is what everybody's used to, but they are probably four to six times larger in the snapshot. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like the it's like the enlarged phantoms. Whenever somebody has that like size yes, tag, they add yes. to phantoms, and yeah, they're suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. like the size of a house which, swooping down at which you. Which is really cool. I have that. I have that data pack on the Citadel, and I, I sleep often enough that it's not a big deal. But every once in a while, when I work for a couple of weeks in the Nether. And then you hear a phantom and you look up and you go, wow, that is the size of a bus. Like it just, it, yeah. it just adds a little fun twist to it because uh, they yeah. don't, they don't often get that big. But what's cool is that when three of them spawn in, sometimes when uh, you're on the cusp of how long you've not slept, you'll have three phantoms come in and one or two of them will be of a different size. So it adds that kind yeah. of cool variety that, that you don't get. And they're not like, you know, four times bigger than the one next to them. It's only like a, an increase of like 25% or 30%. So it just looks kind of cool um but these evoker fangs like they were the size of a villager so like the yeah. villager in this test video that i was watching the villagers running away and this thing comes out of the ground that is the size of the villager and just kind of like envelops it it's like a venus flytrap yes. kind of thing just like yeah. swallows them up like yeah. little shop of horrors i mean i thought it looked better <laughs> to be honest i mean it didn't yeah. work in the, like i can't remember what it is it's like a chain or something like there's a they, they were too close together so it did look broken uh, yeah, sure. So the, the different renderings of it, but the 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 final snap did look comically large in a in a in a good <laughs> way. Like it reminded me of um, I don't remember whether they, are they called chomp chomps or something from Mario. Like it reminded me like of chain chomps. Chain chomps. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, that's it. Reminded yeah. me of chain chomps in in a very that's fun funny. nostalgic way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of bugs that were being fixed in snapshot 19w44a i actually had somebody contact me on twitter who I, I've, I've actually cleared this with him it was okay to mention who it was uh somebody by the name of akoto kusumoto um <laughs> was asking uh if tree farms were going to be broken because of a bug fix uh with uh java edition which was given in the changelog as trees now require much more free space around them to grow and I thought this was an interesting case because what it actually means is the reverse. Like, that was the name of the bug that was reported, i.e. you need to clear out a bunch of grass from around the bottom of an oak tree before it will grow with bone meal. Um, and that's a problem that is currently in the recent release of Minecraft. Like, it's, it's in 1.14. It has been there for a while. And uh, this was an example of what I was trying to say a couple of months ago uh, where they... Like, they've read the title of the bug report as though it was an entry in the changelog, as though 
they had fixed a bug and now in the fixed version trees now required more free space around them to grow um the word now there is causing a bit of confusion uh so they thought trees required more space after the bug fix and that was going to break some tree farms what it actually is is the reverse and you can have as much grass and stuff grown up as you want around the base of a sapling and you'll be able to bone meal it and it will still grow which is great for me because some trees are just really picky about that stuff it happens mm. less for some types than others but growing a giant spruce tree with a two by two square of saplings if you have a single grass block even at a diagonal to one of those trees you can bone meal it all you want and it doesn't grow and that's been frustrating for me farming trees manually which is what i typically do and now you don't have to worry about that as of this snapshot that has been fixed and it still won't grow if there are solid blocks next to it because I think they want to limit the amount of occasions on which trees will grow right next to something a player has built just because they've put a sapling down in the wrong place. But it allows them to grow respective of like, you know, the amount of grass and stuff, the natural stuff that's around it that you would expect trees to grow in anyway. Mm. I really wish that they would sort out a way to uh, either name the bugs differently to begin with or present them in a way that they just like because you could say trees will no longer require you know this much clear space to grow and then have like the the bug number referenced right i feel like plain language in these in these blog posts would be much more useful yeah i i kind of agree and it's it's difficult because they are just copy pasting all of the stuff that they've marked as complete for Correct. this release. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's all just coming straight from the bug tracker as it is titled in the bug tracker. And we've had correspondence from somebody who works as a moderator on the bug tracker before, and they've said they do edit those titles and some of the text in the posts for clarity. But then when it comes to presenting those as a list of changes for the player, you do have to remember that, yeah, some of this stuff is technically it's stated as it was happening in the previous version and you just have to think of it as the reverse because that's now been fixed it's a weird mindset to get into but you you can you you get used to it i think if you read these these change yeah. logs line for line yeah the problem is that that like on the blog post the changes in 19w44a are listed in present text tense yes present tense and then the fixed bugs are in past tense, right? Mm -hmm. And they're right yep. next to one another. You read them one after another, and I feel like that's maybe where it feels a little bit, a little bit strange. But yeah, again, yes. like once you once you get used to it. But I I have found myself a number of occasions, even after a stack of episodes of this podcast, reading bugs like twice. Um, mm -hmm. I also find it difficult sometimes too with like depending on what social platform you're working on, you'll have someone that will share a tweet or share a post. And then have their comment in there. And it may or may not be clear if you read it too quick, who said what? And then, you know, like I'm thinking like, well, if tree farms need to fix, well then who said that though? And I was like, and I had to go back and realize that, oh no, no, the retweeter said tree farms are going to need to fix, which was incorrect. And yeah. I, because of the way that it was presented visually, I think it was on my phone. I was just, I, I read it too fast and it sounded like it was from Mo Yang that was saying that. You know, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, crap. No, that's not the case. And that's that to me leads to confusion and people then just kind of like spread that around because they've, you know, honestly just misread it. And and then uh, unless it's it's clear, it just becomes this whole kind of like um, mixed up sort of thing. I find that one of the things I like so much about 
the snapshot videos that a lot of prominent YouTubers put out is that they usually take the opportunity to be very clear about that yep. and say, it used to happen this way and now it does not. Sometimes you'll even see two clips, one from the previous snapshot and one from the current snapshot to illustrate, yes, it, no, it doesn't work here and yes, it works here. And I, and I think that sometimes those YouTube videos, because uh, I always watch the snapshot videos after I read the snapshot post, and, and um, I find that that helps clarify things. Having a visual really, really aids um, with this stuff. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't follow Sliced Lime already, by the way, uh, he is one of the Minecraft dev team. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is like the project lead for um, like Minecraft development now or something along those lines. I forget what his exact job title is, but uh, he is also a Minecraft YouTuber in his own right. And he frequently makes updates videos about the snapshots in which he goes into uh, the behind the scenes of the bug fixes a little bit more in depth than the average YouTuber might. And hmm. while folks like Azuma and Cubfan are very thorough in some of the changes that they explore, especially in the snapshots, which are bug fix heavy, but feature light, uh, Slice Lime has a little bit more insight into maybe why the team has been making some of those decisions and his word on the matter is always going to be like the most trustworthy in my opinion not not to say that the other YouTubers can't be trusted but I mean he's going to have um, the most accurate information and yeah he's gonna not misinterpret any of the bug fixes that have come up because yeah. he knows why they've all been fixed I would so say like probably it, worth checking out everybody else knows the what and the how but he has the what the how and the why right like he yes. would know the reasons behind it uh, so I'm not a big PvP person at all in most games uh, let alone Minecraft um, that's not the experience I want from it so I really don't have much to say other than some of the changes that I've seen in the change log for the combat a snapshot feel like they make sense. They've they pushed it really far and now it feels like they're dialing it back and trying to find a middle ground to kind of please everybody. It still to me feels like PvE is going to feel easy in this new combat yeah. way. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I kind of agree with the PvE thing, but I'm as a somebody who prefers building and after a while when I'm at endgame, I don't really like dealing with mobs all mm -hmm. that much. So yeah. I'm kind of okay with that. Besides that, you know, once I get up to scratch with my gear, I'm pretty happy taking on anything anyway. A couple of swings of a sword or a decent bow shot will take care of most of it. Um, I like the fact that they have a new enchantment available for axes, and the main concern is that chopping would be meaningless in PvE because, you know, if you're... There are no mobs that use shields, so um, I, th I think he's made sharpness and chopping mutually exclusive. So chopping can add some damage, uh, instead of sharpness because that would allow um, you know allow it to be effective in PvE when you're attacking regular mobs mm. but still have some use in PvP when you're attacking players who might be defending themselves and people were suggesting alternative things that chopping could also do like if it was an extra level of efficiency that would allow you to instantly mine wood where you can't currently do that with a haste beacon nice or if it or if it could be something like um vein miner or tree capitator where it takes down the entire tree at once which i think is something that they vetoed because they don't want to have a single action break multiple blocks we've talked about that before mm -hmm. um but yeah, there is a little bit of back and forth about what the chopping enchantment could do that might add some depth to it for people who aren't interested in, you know, messing with shield blocking and fighting other players and that kind of thing. But as for right now, it does just seem to be a basic damage boost in much the same way sharpness is. 
Um, there is very little else to unpack about the combat snapshot. Like you, again, not really a PvP player, so I don't, I haven't really looked into this snapshot all that much. Um, people have been largely positive about the changes in the Reddit thread. They've said, you know, they like the fact that axes are now being treated more as weapons, um, and they're suggesting other things that chopping could do, and yeah, for the most part, yeah, it, it all seems to be fairly positive now. So that's a, a good sign that they are dialing in, like you said, the uh, the ultimate version of what combat is going to look like going forward. And still no news about exactly when this is going to come out. I expect there will still be a few more phases of testing. It might get introduced into the main snapshots that you can just get from the launcher at a certain point. But uh, as of right now, uh, no further comment on that one, I guess. And we should move on to uh, to our main topic and to Chunk Mail, which are kind of connected because, as you mentioned earlier, Minecraft Earth is now available in Canada, um, among other regions. So you've had a chance to get hold of Minecraft Earth, and I feel like uh, this week's email actually ties it in really well. So I'm going to read this email. It comes from Emric the 15th, I presume that's what the Roman numerals are for, uh, who is a landscape artist patron of the Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for your support and for this lovely email, which is in reference to Minecraft Earth and its early access in Australia. It says, Hi, Johnny and Joel. I'm loving the Spawn Chunks podcast. I have binged uh, episode 1 to 62 over the last few weeks while working and playing Minecraft, so now I'm up to date. I'll be awaiting your show with anticipation every week. I'm in Australia and played Minecraft Earth for the first time today, this email was October 31st, in early access. So far the game looks and feels like vanilla Minecraft and I've had the opportunity to gather some resources and build a dirt hut, which uh, with their permission we've got a picture of in the show notes. Uh, as Joel mentioned in an earlier episode, the constant tapping to gather resources is a little tedious. I think a tap and hold would suffice. The immersion experience is fantastic. Moving your phone into a gate and tapping to open it, then moving the phone into the build is really cool, if not a bit strange at first. This is the first time I've ever played anything with augmented reality. My only other concern for Minecraft Earth is battery usage. I have a Galaxy S9, and for 15 minutes of gameplay my battery dropped from 40% to 25%. It could be that my phone is a little old, but I wonder how much time you can actually play the game, though maybe that's a good thing. Great podcast lads, cheers, Emmerich the 15th. P.S. I've sent along screenshots of my Dirt Hut and the resource gathering screen. Uh, which is lovely because I haven't really seen that many other screenshots. Most people who've been playing the game, uh, who've been posting on Twitter, have been posting stuff from build plates and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see the walking around screen. You've obviously had first-hand experience with that so far. Um, so I think we should fold our email feedback a little into uh, our main topic for the week and talk a little bit about your first impressions of Minecraft Earth. Sounds good. Uh, before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to Carter Operman, who sent us an email specifically for episode 64, but we just didn't get it in time and there was just too much to cram into this episode. Uh, but thanks very much. We got it. We read it. Uh, and hopefully we can fit it into a future episode because it was a, it was an excellent email. We really appreciate it. But I just I didn't want to go without mentioning the, the fact that we got it because it was specifically aimed at episode 64. Uh, so, yes, let me let me load up my Minecraft Earth. We'll see how long I, I lie. My, my phone's plugged in. It's not going to die in the middle of the podcast, but I want to have the, the interface up uh, on the screen so I can at least talk about it intelligently um, to springboard from uh, the. Uh, from Emmerich's email, my battery uh, is abysmal on Minecraft Earth. Yeah. I It's hard to say at this point because early access, I still feel think is pretty beta. 
so I don't know whether this is something that can be optimized in the app, whether it's something that is just too hard on, on older phones uh, in terms of AR just being really processor, really graphics chip intensive. Uh, Emmerich mentioned that they had an older phone. The Galaxy S9 was made and released in March of 2018. That to me is not an old phone. Uh, yeah, my yeah. S my SE is just two years old, and I got it in seven in 2017. So the device I'm using is is an iPhone SE, so it's not a big phone, um, but it is uh, it's something that lasts me and does most of what I do day to day, no problem. I can sit on my couch and stream Twitch from my phone and AirPlay it to my TV for a couple hours, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Now it'll run the battery down but it will last uh, yeah. five minutes in the inventory screen in Minecraft earth drains my battery by 30%. That's yeah. That, that's a lot. That, and, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is a lot. It's not, um, it's not something that I feel like I don't want to play Minecraft earth when I'm out and about very much because I don't want my phone to die before I get home. Like that, that's how yeah. much of a problem it is. Five to 10, like five to 10 minutes, 15 minutes max from a full battery. It's not something that I'd be interested in even trying to manage. Um, mm-hmm. And so it could be the fact that this is an early AR game and that it's just not going to be for people that have older devices. But my argument is going to be, if that's what you need to play AR, then it's going to be very difficult for people of, you know, all man- Minecraft fandom to get access to this. You're going to get a yeah, lot of people, kids bugging their parents for the fancy phones, right? Yeah, pe- people with limited means might not have as much access to Ex- it, unfortunately. Exactly. And we talk a lot about how Minecraft uh, is playable on some older tablets and stuff like that. But like you said uh, last week, like the NVIDIA uh, RTX is, is only on Windows 10 because those older devices can't handle it. Uh, yeah. If older devices, and again, like these devices function and last for the most part for years now people are not buying well i say people the average person is not getting a new phone every year it's more like every Mm -hmm. two years every three years now because the devices are expensive and they last long uh they do what you need to longer which is good as a consumer if i'm spending a lot of money on one of these devices i want it to last um so the fact that this really does not do well on a device that's only two years old to me is not great um now on the plus side uh it is as you would expect from minecraft colorful fun engaging uh uh you can tap uh different controls to like lock your view in place um i would say people that have bigger phones are going to have a better time with it obviously an se is a very small screen it's only a four Mm -hmm. inch screen something like that um, so if you've got like a, an iPhone six or a, a galaxy S nine sort of size, like style phone, uh, then I think you're going to have a better time, um, for collecting things. Uh, we had some feedback. I think it was, I think somebody mentioned uh, either in the discord or maybe it was an email about traveling in a car. And yes, so yeah, it was the, it was the email we read, uh, if not last week, then the week before. Week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bus. Uh, to and from the gym and I was playing Minecraft Earth while doing that because I was on my way home if my phone died it wasn't a big deal you know I'm not I'm not going to be out Uh, and 
I found that even before the bus stopped, I could still pick up tappables. Uh, I would say probably something around 15 kilometers an hour. So right. basically bike speed. Like if you're, if you're not in a motor vehicle, but you're out skateboarding or whatever, you can probably still do tappables, although you'd probably want to stop. <laughs> So you don't yeah, fall yeah. over and, and hurt be, yourself. Be safe, yes. ultimately, is the, um, the, the, the yeah. thing we want to take away from that. But the fact that if you are in a car and you're traveling in a city, not highway speed, uh, many times, even when the bus was just slowing down to a stoplight, where it wouldn't necessarily stop, it would just kind of like slowly turn the corner on like a right turn on red. Um, I could I could pick up a sheep or grab a, lo- uh, a tree or something like that. Tappables vary in terms of how often you have to tap them. Uh, animals and small dirt piles are three taps. Uh, large piles of rocks, especially rare rocks like andesite and diorite and stuff are like five taps. But it, mm-hmm. you can do them fairly quickly. Um, the thing is, for it to not feel spammy, it helps to memorize how many taps you have to do. So if you get a sheep, you tap it, it goes full screen. So that's one tap. And then you have to hit it three more times. If you tap it, more than that it feels like a pain Mm -hmm. i still feel like one or i feel like two taps would be enough one because you want to make sure you've tapped the right thing like did you want the chicken or the cow right if you've got the cow then awesome if you didn't want it and you wanted to exit it then that would be a good confirmation i think two taps is fine you know yes i want that thing and yes break it and put it in my inventory or collect it uh yeah i can i can totally see the like what they're trying to do with making everything tappable. They're trying to sort of imitate the motion of a player's hand, you know, tapping away at resources. But that's also not how we're used to controlling Minecraft because you click and hold stuff mm-hmm. in order to exactly. break it, right? So yeah. so it, it feels at one and the same time understandable, but also not intuitive to the way we are used to controlling Minecraft. We're so used to actually holding down on something to get it, even if on screen what's happening is tap, tap, tap. Exactly. And so I feel like, uh, and, and even I think Emmerich said that they want that a tap and hold would suffice. Uh, and I think even just a t- uh, like a tap and a tap to confirm would be fine. Um, now that said, once you are collecting an item, it's very satisfying. There's a sparkle animation. The, uh, the pigs and the chickens and the cows actually kind of react to being not punched, but kind of like poked. In you, a, you poked them, yeah. In, in a jovial way. And then they kind of look around like, wait, what? What's happening? And then they go into your inventory. <laughs> Yeah, so, you, po- you, poked a, you poked a pig in the arm at that point. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the famous podcast phrase goes. And they squeal and they, they jump up and they kind of like do that cartoon thing where they jump and they kick all their legs out at, at a time. And so <laughs> yeah. they're almost like they're excited. It's like, yay, he picked me. And then they go into the inventory. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really cool. Uh, and it's the same thing with rocks. It reminds me of some of the animations that we've seen in minecraft dungeons when stuff explodes or you break a wall or whatever not break a wall but like if you know you do something and something engaging happens so when you break these um these rocks or these tappables they crack and then they crack some more and then they explode and then you get this inventory trickle of like you know boop 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 you got three diorite and boop 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 you got you know six cobblestone or whatever it is that you get and so that kind of stuff is is fun sometimes it does feel like it takes a little bit of a long time um but at the same time you're learning what you're getting. So it's nice to kind of have a mental note of like, okay, so even though that was a dirt pile, I only got like three blocks of dirt, but I got two flowers and, you know, uh, grass or leaves or something. And so that kind of stuff is good to kind of have a mental, you know, idea as to how to manage your inventory. 
Um, everything else is pretty straightforward. Like, I mean, it's a blocky version. It, it's very accurate. Like it looks like my street and the corners and I can look at the map and say like, oh, okay. So if I go down the road, down the hill, it looks like there's some cool stuff down there. Um, there's a compass and I didn't realize this at first, but you can tap the compass on the interface and it will either lock your view and then you have to swipe your finger to turn the camera around mm -hmm. or you can tap the compass and it will lock it to then the phone's orientation. So then you can, as you turn your person, it just, it always looks straight ahead. So it's very much like moving a mouse in Minecraft. So you can decide, okay, I'm done feeling dizzy. I want to actually like look behind me without turning around. Uh, or for me, I use this a lot when I'm at home because there's sometimes there's tappables that show up within range of, of being in my apartment. And so that's the, that's the next thing I was going to ask you is how accessible did you find tappables? How far were you having to go to find mm. large concentrations of that stuff? Uh, well, I'm looking right now and there's nothing, there's not a whole lot nearby. There's a couple of big trees. Uh, there's a couple of, um, there's a couple of rock piles. I want to say there are only like one or two tappables per block. So you, you, you're going to get a fair bit, but you're going to want to go on a good 20 minute walk. You know, if you want to go and collect a lot of these things, um, yeah, it could yeah. also just be like where I am. It looks like a lot of the heavier stuff are closer to heavier intersections. The kind of things where people would walk by more often, which makes sense. Uh, like if I look down the road at where I know there's a school, there's more going on. It even looks like there's a couple of chests down that way. So it's the kind of thing yeah. where like, you know, higher traffic areas are getting a higher concentration of things um things like bus stops also i noticed that there was a fair amount around which is cool yeah um, anywhere there's going to be a high amount of cell activity i expect will probably be prime hotspots yeah for stuff like exactly that. so I'm, it's kind of i'm cool really looking way. forward to it i'm really looking forward to getting hold of it and just mm. walking into central brighton where there is a large concentration of media savvy folks mm. and yeah presumably people are on cell phones all the time mm -hmm. and yeah trying my best to uh to to get what i can out of it yeah. but uh yeah still still no word on when it's going to be available to me in the uk so I'm I'm sorry if I'm not having a huge amount of input into this discussion. But um, one thing I did want to say before we get away from uh, talking about battery usage um, and and temperature of your device as well, because I think you'd mentioned to me off camera that uh, off camera off off recording off the podcast uh, that your phone was getting really hot while you were using it. So I expect that's a matter of like you know it just using the resources, the graphics chip, the processor, it that is. kind of stuff is yeah. is probably going to get quite hot in much the same way as if you're um you know watching video directly on the device or if you're playing other games i found that yeah. you know my my phone gets gets quite warm that way the only time um, i've ever had my phone get this warm was when i was using it while charging it um yeah so it's obviously a battery thing uh but i have uh opened up this app since we started talking about it here on the podcast and right now my phone is quite warm i did a i timed myself i did a 20 minute play session with a build plate in my living room this morning and we'll have some screenshots available on the website from that i'll post them in the discord as well uh and within 10 minutes of messing with that build plate in ar my phone was uncomfortable to hold i was holding the phone at the bottom away from where the battery was uh if yeah. you have a now i don't have a case on my phone it's it's a straight up you know naked iphone se so it's got an aluminum back which is a highly conductive metal um, I have the opposite problem in the wintertime when I'm out riding a bus in the wintertime, my phone battery will shut off because the battery gets too cold. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, yay Canada. Um, but people that don't have that problem often have uh, a case on their phone. 
Uh, and uh, I would imagine that if I had any kind of rubber case on my phone, I would not necessarily notice the temperature that much, nor would it feel uncomfortable. It's not something that's going to burn you. Like it's not going to burn your leg or, or, or burn your hand, uh, but it's akin to taking like a warmed plate out of the oven, putting your dinner on it, and then moving that to the table. You, you don't necessarily want to hold that for longer than the trip from the kitchen to the table. That's the yeah. kind of temperature we're talking about. So it's, it's again, it, it, and also as, you know, as an expensive device that you're holding, it doesn't feel good. Like it feels like mm, this shouldn't be this hot. You know, yeah, like, you're like I'm, I'm kind of cooking it at this point. Yeah. And yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, you know, it's getting too hot for the rubber cases when it just starts to melt. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all over your hands. Yeah. Nothing like that's happening. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, so, so that kind of stuff is off putting. Now I haven't tried it with anything like an iPad, um, you know, at home. Um, I also haven't really, uh, I mean, I'm on Wi-Fi at home. I'm assuming it's using my Wi-Fi. It's hoping, I'm hoping it's not using my data. Um, but outside, I don't know what the data crunch is going to be because I have not been able to use this for more than three minutes outside the house. Um, yeah. so I'd be curious for anybody that does have an unlimited data plan. If you want to email us at thespawnchunks at gmail.com, uh, or if you're in the discord and you know, and can and can watch the data on your phone at length if you have any feedback for us i'd love to get that input um collecting stuff was pretty good like you know few short minutes short walks from the bus stop i don't live in a, on a road that has a lot of tappables however in the course of just our conversation here i've noticed a number of tappables have disappeared and then others have appeared uh so they kind of rotate you know after a certain time I don't know whether it's global or whether it's just whenever you're logged in, they'll just be like, all right, we're going to remove these and then we'll place new ones. And they're like a block away. Yeah. They're on like a respawn timer. I yeah. Guess that that sort of be, thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I enjoyed working on the build plate. It works very much like creative. Um, there's an interact mode and a collection or a, what's it called? Interact mode and a collection mode, I think. So collection operates more like creative. So unlike tappables in the world, when you're tapping on blocks to collect them from a build plate, one tap and that grass block goes right into your inventory. Um, mm -hmm. Unless there's something on it, like a flower or, a, or an actual grass um, plant, then it's two taps, one for the grass or the flower, and then another one for the block. Uh, and so I had a decent amount of stuff, nothing that I could really build anything with. But when I mined out that build plate, I ended up with something like, you know, 90 stone, uh, a stack or two of grass and dirt. Uh, I have, um, I've got 25 um, gravel. I've got, you know, um, five cows, six chickens, four pigs. Like, so I have enough stuff. Uh, and I started building a small stone house. What I didn't have was anything fancy. I didn't have any crafted blocks uh, because as, uh, as, we, as we heard last week, there's a timer on crafting. Yeah. This is where the naysayer in me is going to come out. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I, fi I figured it might be. It, it's, uh, and it's, it's got nothing to do with my time management. It's, it doesn't feel good. Like, as a gamer, I went to make sticks because I wanted to have a sword and a pickaxe. Because uh, I didn't know that I wasn't, like, I, don't, I didn't know that I wasn't going to, like, I don't know what I'm going to use a pickaxe for. I don't need it. I'm just tapping blocks to collect them. Like, it's like creative mode. So I'm not sure why I even crafted a pickaxe other than just robot brain from playing minecraft right mm -hmm. i figured a sword would be handy in case i run into any of those events where i have to like fight a skeleton or something that i've seen on 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 uh videos um but to craft sticks craft eight sticks took a minute to craft a pickaxe <laughs> took five minutes and then okay wow and then today at the end of my build session 
I thought, okay, I'm going to take a screenshot for the Spawn Chunks listeners and show them this neat little house that I built. I just have to make stairs so I can make a roof. So I crafted 16 cobblestone stairs. And it's neat. You don't have to lay them out in the grid. You just kind of go into the crafting interface and you say, okay, uh, what's the recipe? Do I have them? Etc. It's like the recipe book on the yeah. Java edition. And then yep. you just, you increase the number that you want. And then it, it, it pulls that. It doesn't, the one thing that I have for feedback there, it doesn't tell you how many it's using or how many you have left. So it says like, yeah, you know, six cobblestone equals four stairs, but it doesn't then tell you, you now have 60 cobblestone left in your inventory. It just kind of lets you build as much as you can or want. But then if you're trying to like leave yourself a half a stack, you can't see that. So you kind of have right, to make those yeah. mental notes before you go in. So I crafted 16 cobblestone stairs, which took 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. So this is something that strikes me as a bit of a disconnect between the walk around gameplay and the build plate gameplay. Because I expect what you are supposed to do is once you acquire these resources when you're out in the world, you go, okay, I've got, you know, 40 cobblestone or something, presuming that's an amount you can typically gather. I'm going to turn half of that into stairs. So you get 20 cobblestone or, you know, however much divides by six. Yep. Uh, and you say, okay, I'm going to make those into stairs. That's going to take 40 minutes. Those will be ready for when I'm building stuff in my build plate later. That's how I think maybe they imagine players doing this. Unfortunately, that's not how Minecraft gameplay works because a lot of the time you're building, you're, you're crafting stuff like that as a reaction to, okay, I've built all this stuff in my build plate. What do I need next? Oh, wait, stairs. Let me craft a few of those real quick. Oh, wait, no, I can't. That takes me half an hour. Mm -hmm. That's that's a problem because yeah. th those are the circumstances in which you're going to know precisely what blocks you need. Unless you're following some kind of tutorial and you have a build in mind, which... I think very few people are going to. A lot of people are going to be building this stuff on the fly and improvising stuff in the build plate. And it's very difficult to know ahead of time what kind of stuff you'll need without collecting resources in bulk and then just crafting them on the go so that you've got stuff available to you later. It it removes the element of like reacting to what you've built and deciding to craft resources on the fly because then you have to wait for them. That's, that's disappointing. It that is. really is quite disappointing. Yeah, it is. I can understand some small timers. And like I mentioned last week, I can understand if you're wanting to smelt glass, that that would take some time because it's a cool block. Like the reward kind of like makes it worth it. Um, and I will point out that I haven't had this app on since I closed it down this morning. Uh, which means that it's not 40 minutes of having the app open. It must be tied to the clock. So yeah. it's 40 minutes later, real world time, not game time. Yeah. So, and it's probably not something that you could like wind your internal clock forward and cheat. Like it's probably like a timer that gets set off, but then it will run on whatever time is ticking over internally on your phone. Yeah. So like right now when I, when I went over to my inventory or my crafting interface, it says, uh, you know, you can collect all of the things, the, the cobblestone stairs are done now. And so that means, yeah. and that means that I've, and I have, I haven't had this app open for 40 minutes today because my, my mm -hmm. phone wouldn't be existing. It would be, you know, yeah. dead. Um, so so it's it's a 40 minutes real world. And I, and I, again, I think our emailer last week, and I apologize for, for forgetting your name, um, mentioned that it's probably to encourage not being on the phone that much. Or maybe, I think even, um, 
even Emmerich mentioned it this week. Like maybe that's a good thing that you're not playing the game all the time. Uh, yeah. I noticed it specifically with a, a small phone. It's probably just because I'm old and I, I notice this kind of stuff. Is like I really felt hunched over playing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it does the, the the build plate was really cool like it was on the table it felt like it was in my space walking around it was really neat like it it felt so much more accessible than moving a character with the wasd keys and looking around with your mouse and game like it really sure. felt cool to walk around a minecraft build it makes me want to yeah. try minecraft vr right um, yeah, the I mean, they're, they're incorporating human movement into yeah. it, which is just not no, really possible to simulate with a mouse and keyboard. Really cool. But the problem is that it's a four inch screen. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. for I mean, I wear glasses and stuff, but like even then it's still like I'm up on my nose to the thing because it's just like because you're trying to like place blocks. And I can tell you right now, mining is easy. Placing blocks on a flat surface, also easy. Placing more of those finer things, like putting the floor in on this house took me five minutes because it was <laughs> right, yeah. constantly misclicking and placing a block like four blocks below where I wanted to put it because I kept on missing the edge of the block that you wanted to place down. Uh, so there's there's some things there where you can zoom in by moving in and actually putting your phone kind of like in the build you kind of clip through it like spectator mode but you can't place anything at that point because when i discovered that i thought oh wait a minute this is really cool i can put my phone in the front door and then very clearly see where i need to put my floor but i can't tap anything i can't place a block at that point i have to back up so that i have a clear shot i can't be in the wall and then still place a block which makes sense i can imagine i can understand that from a programming standpoint why that wouldn't work um but other than that, like the uh, the experience of working on the build plate was cool. I did find that when I moved around a lot, the build plate would not stick to where it was. It would stay right. in the right Y coordinate, but it would rotate a little bit. And you can see that in some of the screenshots where the build plate starts off kind of like in the middle of my table and then slowly slides off the front or it rotates. It kind of dri drifted towards the edge. Yeah. yeah, or it rotates so that it's not square to the table. And it doesn't, it's it's not a big deal. It didn't break the experience. It's just something that I noticed that it was like off a little bit. Um, but I mean, I if you want to collect stuff, I'm telling you right now, the best thing to do is to get a build plate and then um, mine it out. Uh, now I didn't, yeah. I mined everything out except for the water because I, can't, I haven't found iron. So I don't have a bucket. So I can't actually collect the water. So, uh -huh, I don't, I don't, yeah. so if I get rid of it, there's no water. So I left the little pond, but I basically mined everything out to bedrock and then put like a fake dirt floor. So once I did that, you actually have quite a bit to work with. It's just that you're going to have to anticipate these crafting timers. I think it's going to be an issue. Um, yeah. I, I haven't yet had the opportunity to go and stick this in my backyard, <laughs> like actually mm -hmm. stick it out in the world. Uh, See, so like actual size as yeah. it were to scale. To do that, I'm going to have to bring my battery pack with me and go out with the phone plugged in and just kind of like explore. And I do plan on doing mm -hmm. that at some point. Uh, I might even do that today. I might get off the bus a little bit early on the way back from the gym today and just kind of like collect stuff on the way home. Um, so really, there's this mix of satisfying gameplay i really like walking around in the world it's really cool to see all these little minecraft tappables in your neighborhood um i've lived in the same place for a number of years so i i can see i know what streets are what even without even when they're in like minecraft pixelated world uh, i can see the halifax harbor from here like it's really really neat um something that i didn't realize at first either because they don't give you these instructions if you pinch and zoom in the map view uh you can rotate the camera it's or, or rotate your zoom level 
it's akin to if you've ever played a city builder game it's not straight up and it's not straight back it's like this weird arc of right kind of like three quarter over your shoulder or three quarter bird's eye view 45 degrees yeah 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 yeah. and you can see i can can picture what you mean yeah you can see a lot more i wish this is the other thing i wish there was an easy way to capture what i'm doing right like i think i have to figure out a way to send my phone to my computer and then record via obs or something because it's it's really neat uh to 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 do that but so much much of this is visual so i apologize if i'm not um, explaining this the best um but like i said like i mean there's there's a build plate um there's a build plate um, tab. Uh, my build plate automatically saves. Like when you're done playing, like I'm looking at the the entry level eight by eight build plate. It has my house on it right now. So like I didn't save mm-hmm. it. It just automatically saved my progress. Um, it's tied to your um, Microsoft Live account or your Bedrock account. So I'm Captain Duggan uh, in Minecraft Earth because I forgot I had a Skype account. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Captain Duggan is is um, my Xbox um gamer tag (laughs) sure Um, yeah and then across the bottom uh the other kind of bit of feedback i have is that the crafting interface was really hard to spot uh i tapped on it because i thought it was more build plates but it's it's a jumble of the new uh the new building blocks there's a crafting table a stone cutter a furnace that's on and in the back there's an enchanting table but they're all in in the uh in the screenshot provided with the email, it's like the middle icon yes. in this row along the bottom. Yeah, that does not say crafting to me. On a t- it's it's this it's maybe eight millimeters wide on my phone, and it it does not look like uh, a build like a, a crafting interface. Yeah, if what, it was just a picture of a crafting table, precisely. then maybe that would be which yeah. is which is what is at the top of that screen. Once you're in that tab it's a straight up crafting and smelting. There's a, there's a crafting table and there's a furnace and there's one slot in each one and there's locks on other slots. So it looks like you can craft up to three different things at once later on. Those features are either coming later or maybe I'm not high enough level. Um, I haven't played very much. I'm already level three. Um, my character says that I've got 204. I'm guessing that's blocks mine. Yeah, blocks collected 204. Blocks placed 172. That feels weird um because i don't feel like it's been that many mobs collected 21 and i've played for now a total of 29 minutes including the 20 minutes that i played this morning so only nine minutes of walking around and i've collected an, a number of things um mm-hmm. the character creator is really fun like there's a number of things i, I can't really get into in great detail now because we're kind of running out of time but um stay tuned for the post show uh in render distance we can probably get into a little bit more um it's definitely worth checking out. And I think there's still an opportunity because in the app, they give you a link to give feedback. So battery length, uh, you know, the, the, the crafting timers, let Mo Yang know what you think. Because uh, I think um, if they're listening, then I think there's an opportunity here to use it, have fun. Uh, stay safe when you do it there's a lot of visual pop-ups over the whole screen it's like it won't let you play before you have to agree to don't go where you're not supposed to you know uh you're moving too fast you know are you driving like there's all these different safety prompts which is great and it's an iron golem <laughs> that says like yeah. hey tisk, tisk, you are you're the not bouncer, doing this yeah. right yeah so they're 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 doing that right which i think is great um 
I think it would be a really fun experience for for parents and kids too. Like, you know, you're going to your local playground, you know, like the five and six year olds that are going to like the swings and the slides and stuff, uh, bring your phone along and, and tap stuff. And uh, I think that there's some fun engagement here, especially because then you could both be friends and then build on a co-player plate, you know, when you get back home. There's some really cool stuff there. I'm really looking forward to trying it on a bigger screen, I think would be my main parting thought is that yeah. I think part of my experience is limited by the fact that I have a very small phone. Uh, I'd like to invite some friends over that have larger devices and have like a play session. I think that could be really fun. Yeah. Uh, my my questions now are um, presumably if, if you've got a, a Microsoft account linked to it, then, you know, does your inventory sync across devices? So if I go out with a phone, tap on a bunch of resources, do I get to come back and play with those resources on an iPad that I theoretically have because I don't have one right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I assume so. I assume there is some kind of like account connectivity there. And it would make a lot of sense because not everybody is bringing like, especially if you've got one of the larger, newer iPads, you're, you're, you're not going to be lugging around like a 12 inch iPad Pro while you're on a bus, but then mm -hmm. coming home and using that to work on a build plate would be phenomenal. Um, so I'm interested in that. Um, also, yeah, before we before we go, going back to the battery thing, I did ask in the Spawn Chunks Discord if anybody had a few battery statistics for me to compare to yours because people had a, a variety of devices in there, so I thought it'd be good for comparison. Um, and it, particularly how this compared to the battery usage of playing Minecraft Pocket Edition um, because obviously, yeah, that's still a graphically intensive game. It's still using a lot of the same kind of mechanics and so forth. Uh, so Minipax was kind enough to provide me with some information oh, about nice. their, um, their Pixel 3 XL, uh, which I've got here in the show notes. Um, so Minecraft Pocket Edition, uh, so Bedrock Edition on, on, of standard Minecraft on the Pixel 3, consumed about 0.5% of battery per minute. Um... By comparison, walking around with Minecraft Earth collecting tappables consumed 0.75% per minute. So, you know, 0.25% more, not a huge increase. But then building in AR consumed 4% of the battery per minute. So that means from a full battery, 25 minutes at most before your battery gives out. Mm -hmm. On a Pixel 3, I mean, yeah, the screen size there might factor in a little bit, but I, I presume a larger device is going to have a larger battery capacity as well to factor that in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it seems like across the board, as long as you're, you know, using the build plate mode for a considerable amount of time, you're going to need to have some kind of power supply to plug that in. And therefore, I don't see a lot of people building an AR on the go. If they are using AR at all, it's probably going to be to put down something that they've already been building at home, take a quick snapshot of it, and then walk off collecting tappables again. But yeah, it does seem like the AR, because it's using the camera and because it's having to project all of this stuff, not to mention the tappables uh, view is going to be tracking like GPS location or, or radio tower location, kind of triangulating your position and using your data and the graphics capabilities and stuff as well. I expect most of that is going to be unavoidable as far as battery usage goes. Hopefully it can be refined a little bit. Maybe they're just playing the long game. Maybe they're waiting for, you know, phones with the battery life of like the iPhone 11 Pro mm -hmm. that just came out yeah. as like, they're waiting for that to be the standard at which point concerns like this are going to hopefully not be as big a factor but once again that is relying on the top end of the consumer market and people who are staying up to date on having the newest device which is simply not realistic for the broader audience they're working with here yeah. so 
We will see how that brings to bear on Minecraft Earth once it is more widely released. I did speak with some people in the know in terms of like th what the what this app is asking of these devices, and essentially AR right now is like the biggest ask. Yeah, like video streaming used to be a thing that caused a lot of battery issues and stuff, and now it's it's just it's optimized and it's not a big deal. Um, in part, a good uh, a good. Uh, a good portion of that is like, you know, YouTube compression. Like it's one of the reasons why that stuff is so heavily compressed is that so it doesn't drain the the mobile usage, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So there's this there's this combination of like batteries getting better, phones getting better, modems and, and uh, connectivity getting better, uh, data plans being better for video, and that's become less of an issue. But AR is so new in terms of widespread usage that um, AR is apparently still a very big ask from the phone because like you said, like you just outlined, you're just, you're asking it to do all the things <laughs> like everything yeah. that the phone can do. It has to do to make this AR thing kind of believable. Um, what I think would be nice is that if you're switching from being on the map to being in the build plate, because the build plate takes a couple of minutes to load. Well, not a couple of minutes, but it, it, like it takes a good 30 seconds to load. So you feel like you're going into a different part of the app. I think the map should be the same uh, because if I'm in the inventory or if I'm in the crafting interface or I'm surfing the store, it should not be sucking the life out of my battery to do that, right? It yeah. should only be the intensive parts that are doing that. And I don't know if that's possible. This is just kind of like an observation. Um, and before, I know we got to wrap things up, but before we go, uh, we were wondering how they were going to monetize uh, this particular venture. And uh, I have an answer for you. Um, build plates. Uh, cost rubies. Uh, rubies are things that you collect. Uh, I seem to get more rubies when I collect animals. Uh, but in my 29 minutes of play, which has been very random and not focused on collecting, most of those minutes were spent building. I have 19 rubies. I can buy rubies from the store. And this is going to be in Canadian dollars. So a stack of 40 rubies is $2.79. Uh, 100 plus 5 bonus is $6.99. And then it goes up from there. And so knowing that you can mine out a build plate, if you want more blocks in a hurry and you feel like dropping the money, then you can buy rubies, buy a build plate, and then mine it out. But again, it's going to be mostly dirt and stone, <laughs> right? Sure. Unless you how, find... How much... How many rubies is it to buy a build plate? Uh, Entry-level build plates, 8 by 8 75 rubies. Okay. Uh, 225 for a 16 by 16. Uh, there's 100 rubies in this one that has like a pre-built wooden platform. So I'm looking at torches, fences, cobblestone walls, uh, all kinds of stuff. And that's like a, it's an eight by eight, but it's vertically, it's probably 16 plus whatever you can dig out of the ground and it's full of water. So mm -hmm. there's a bunch of stuff that you can get in there uh and potentially do there's one 16 by 16 that has a full farm house and looks like a small minecraft village on it that's 375 rubies or roughly 20 bucks if you were to just right. buy it right so yeah but i feel like if you had a battery life that would allow you to collect rubies for 20 minutes you could probably get 75 like if you were out yeah. there just collecting constantly and walking around, you got to remember, I've walked through the same street twice and I only collect what I can see. Uh, I can see stuff in the distance. I've just not bothered to walk to go get it. Um, so I could have a lot more rubies if I was focusing on collection. So 
Um, yeah, so I think ult- ultimately they, they've got a decent balance between people who can invest time into the app and people who can invest money into mm-hmm. the app because, yeah. you know, you're always short of one or the other, right? Yeah. That's the kind of value proposition they're working with. So, okay, that is that is good to know. And hopefully this has been really interesting for people who haven't got their hands on Minecraft Earth yet and were interested thanks for sharing your your feedback on this because uh yeah it's it's kind of cool i got the the rtx scoop last week and you get the <laughs> minecraft earth scoop this week oh it's uh, all good man good. it's it's fun it's just there are a couple of points that are frustrating and um i think that ultimately it's the crafting timing uh the for me in particular this is not a criticism of of the app but of my device it's not going to be a great experience on small screens i don't think uh, and there's just a little bit of getting used to in terms of how it functions because it's a tap, because it's a different app. It does feel different than Minecraft. You kind of have to get used to that. But those, those are the main, the main points, I think. All right. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully people have enjoyed hearing a bit more about Minecraft Earth. And once again, if you have any feedback of your own about Minecraft Earth, if you are in one of the territories that has access to it already, the growing number at this point, please do send us an email or hit us up on Twitter. That would be absolutely lovely. But that's going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value Value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in by visiting patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and joining our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only Discord chat and gets us closer to our future goals, including being able to record the spawn chunks live in Discord for our patrons to listen in. We're currently at 135 patrons, which is down from last week, but it's the beginning of the month, so Patreon might still be processing a few payments. Special thanks go out to our content engineers. We have one to add to the list this week Cameron Sigelski, Greener Canuck. Uh, JD Williamson and Yitz, thank you guys so much for your support on this episode. Greener, how's it going, eh? Spread the word. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the best way to support the show. It's 100% free. You just have to tell people about it. And we are trying to grow the listener base, so we would very much appreciate it if you would do that. You can find us... Treat your friends like tappables. Tap them on the arm until they listen to The Spawn Chunks. <laughs> exactly. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks at tw- on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but like I said, personal recommendations are by far the best way to, sh- to share the show. Uh, you can now poke a friend in the ear. We've been releasing these little clips on, on Twitter that are about a minute long. Uh, Johnny does a great little job of, of showcasing part of the show. So if if you want to share that with people, you can do it that way as well. You can email the show at thespunchunks at gmail.com. Let us, what, uh, let us know what you think of Minecraft Earth. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on YouTube. You can get the RSS feed on thespunchunks.com. And of course, the render distance is available to our patrons at patreon.com slash thespunchunks. My name is Johnny, but online I go by PixelRiffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can find my podcast, The Citadel Cafe, from that link as well. I do that every Wednesday. We're going to be talking about some cool new shows coming up this week. You can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name. I am super easy to find, and I am going to point you towards Twitch, where there are now three huge streams from this weekend uh, of me bopping around in the nether and doing some some designing with uh, the chat room. Pretty chill experience. I hope you like it. That's at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. 
Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but our batteries are not.